You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and it's time for our match preview. Leeds are the visitors to St. James's Park on Friday night in front of the Sky Sports cameras. And as usual, there's been plenty to talk about regarding Newcastle United. I'm joined by John Gibson and later in the show you'll hear from Joe Donahue, who covers Leeds for Leeds Live. John, Steve Bruce has just held his press conference. The yep. questions have been about the fans who have called for him to go. There was banners against Manchester United and I'll just read out what he had to say first and foremost and then get your thoughts on it. Um, he was asked then about fan chance calling for him to go and he told reporters it's always difficult, I'd be sick if I said I quite enjoyed it the frustration is if you don't get the results then ultimately the head coach bears the brunt, I have to accept that results haven't been good enough what I would say to that John feels a bit like deja vu because we've been here before haven't we? Totally. We, we live in this particular world. We live in it with Steve Bruce and we lived in it before Benitez with the other managers from uh, McLaren to Kinnear. Uh, it is part of the Newcastle United world under Mike Ashley. We will discuss what happened after the game against Manchester United at Old Trafford, just briefly because I know a lot of people want to get your views on it. Of course, I am talking about the fact that Steve Bruce hit out at the Chronicle for negativity and he said the fans are the way they are because of the negativity and our newspaper. I mean, John, you've had your battles with managers down the years. Yeah, you've probably, you've the probably, Yeah. I mean, what, what, what do you make of what Bruce said? Well, it follows a traditional pattern. I'm not just talking about Steve Bruce. I'm talking about the whole time I've covered Newcastle. Uh, if a team wins... It's down to the manager being a genius, and if a team loses, it's down to the press being negative or the fans being negative. I mean, I'm not certain what Steve Bruce was expecting when you think we've played four games, 12 points, we've got one, and we're out of the League Cup losing at home. I, uh, I mean, if that is being the chronicle are negative when they should be positive after those results, it is a joke. It is an absolute nonsense. What it does reveal is the obvious. A manager that talks about being thick-skinned when he's really thin-skinned and feeling the pressure, not only of results, but being hung out to dry by Mike Ashley, etc., etc., uh, for putting his foot in it every time he, he talks, he, he tends, bless him, to say something that makes it even worse than it was originally. And he's just a guy under pressure. And under pressure, you just hit out at the nearest obstacle. And the nearest obstacle was the bloke in front of him asking the questions who happened to be from the Evening Chronicle. Now, there was a question in the press conference today regarding his future, and he was asked if he's had any conversations with those above, given there's not many above. Lee <laughs> Charnley is probably the name. And he said, he replied to reporters and said, it's not all about me. I'm here to only do what I think is best for the club, and that is managing it as best I can and keep us moving along. That's for other people to answer that. I will continue to do my best. I'm never going to walk away from the challenge. 
two things immediately hit me there. He says it's uh, not all about him, but I'm afraid it is. If w if people and fans can't get at Charlie Nashley because they live in a remote castle on the top of a mountain, then Steve Bruce is the next long. And it is all about managers. There's absolutely no question. Because the manager, the significant thing he said in that lot, which he has always said, and we know that he lives by, is that he's not going to walk away. There's absolutely no chance of that. He will remain manager under Ashley for as long as Ashley allows that to happen. And um, how long is a piece of string? And he says he would do what is best for the club. And we're getting ahead of ourselves, totally hypothetical. We kind of understand where Mike Ashley and Newcastle's approach is to this, that they're going to back Steve Bruce until they really have no other option. We saw last season when they lost to Brighton. I mean, any other manager probably wouldn't even got to Brighton at that stage, but he did do. He lost. He kept his job. Turned it around in the end, towards the end of the season. It's still only seven wins in 34 games, though. And um, a defeat to Friday on at Leeds on Friday, again, most managers would be under immense pressure. But you get the feeling that he's going to be backed. Some would argue that what is best for the club would, at some point, if results continue this way, is to actually walk away. Yes, I think I think that's what most fans would say. That would be best for the club. Would you please walk away? What he means really is uh, he'll do the, what's best for Steve Bruce, uh, which is remain in the job, and then he will do his best in that job to try to to turn it round. But I mean, we know the Mike Ashley style. If a manager is going to go at all, the odds are he's going to go right near the death when it seems inevitable we might go down. And then, of course, it is too late for anybody to come in, as we know with Shearer, as we know with Benitez. It's too, after McLaren was sacked originally, it's too late to be able to save the club in that situation. But I mean, if it's at all possible, Mike Ashley is more disinterested in Newcastle than he ever has been, uh, if that's possible. And therefore, we know that he's not going to look for a confrontational situation. Get rid of the manager, you've got to then pay him up. Then he's two uh, right-hand men, and I'm excluding Jones because uh, Jones doesn't go around with with uh, Bruce job to job they're going to go as well they're going to be paid and then you've got to move somebody in or go along with with Jones he isn't going to look that to him is just an irritation it is more workload that he doesn't want because he's not interested in Newcastle again I don't want to focus on the hypothetical situations but I did put out last night that we were again recording our preview and a few people got in touch with some questions and one of them from Dan Corker and asks John if Bruce walks or is sacked in the next couple of weeks which manager would you like to see take over great question and I haven't looked at it in depth because I know he's not going to walk and I know he's not going to be sacked uh, and that's the fact of the matter I think what most fans would expect to happen there's a difference between what you expect to happen and what you want to happen is they would probably expect that Jones would step in as some sort of caretaker and make it easy for Ashley by being able to do that from within the club, which he's done in the past. Um, and the worry of that can be, and I don't know, but the worry of that can be that a, number, a terrific number two doesn't necessarily make a terrific number one. 
I mean, uh, McLaren had a great reputation as a number two to Ferguson at Manchester United, but infinitely proved he wasn't the number one. And there is an argument that, that Graham Jones, his standing was so high as a coach that he inevitably got a manager's job and he got it at Luton and it didn't work. And Rob Lee, who we all know, one of the entertainers, uh, was very scathing to me about the, the job Jones did as manager at Luton. Now, I know Rob had an axe to grind because his son was there and uh, his son didn't benefit from Jones being manager, but um, the results weren't good either. Uh, so, you know, there's a problem there. Um, I don't think we're going to have to face who gets a job, but, I mean, people would immediately look at Cooper and look at how. Uh, and look at people of, of that level and say, you know, let's have one of those. But the, the question is, if you are a young manager like Howard Cooper and you're offered the Newcastle job under Ashley and it's well documented that your hands are tied and your legs are tied and you're thrown in the time, would you, and your next job has got to go well uh, with how because he left uh, Bournemouth relegation, would you actually want this job? Yes, you would, if the owner wasn't Ashley, but would you want the job at the moment? That comes into play as well. There'll be plenty of managers who are very average or beneath, below average that would walk here under Ashley, uh, as Steve Bruce did. But are they the ones that we want? But Steve Bruce, I mean, the reality is, like you say, we don't think he'll he'll get the sack until things are no. really, 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 really bad. Um, if they can get any worse than they did last season, like I mentioned against Brighton. But he should be getting more out of this squad. You know, that squad is better than where it is. I know we've got complaints about the transfer window, and Steve Bruce rightly can be frustrated that he wasn't backed. He was hung out with dry. You know, he didn't get the lone players, which he felt would improve. And we, we've gone over that, obviously, with the, the, the verdict uh, podcast on the transfer window. But... Again, we saw against Old Trafford, I mean, they did all right. Uh, sorry, against Manchester United, they did all right, but then they got beat 4-1. They should be, they, they are not a, t a squad that should be in the relegation zone. They're, they're just above the relegation yeah. zone in terms yeah. of the talent and ability, yeah. but he should be getting better out of this side. I think that, to a great extent, is, is true. They're not a great squad, and uh, they were squad in vital positions that lack legs at the back and at midfield, and, and, and not is a huge minus. So there are things wrong with it. But they should be able to finish fourth bottom. And, and Steve Bruce would argue, well, we can still finish fourth bottom or fifth bottom or sixth bottom. And, of course, that's true at this stage. Um, but what concerns me about the current situation, that Newcastle have let in, what, 12 goals in four Premier League games? And our manager is a resound, renowned centre-half and skipper of Manchester United in their great era, early great era under Ferguson. You would think he could organise the back. The same players, incidentally, didn't leak like that under Benitez. Um, so you could argue they are better. Uh, but, I, I mean, I mentioned in one of my articles in the Chronicle recently, I think there's significant players at Newcastle that have gone backwards in recent times. Uh, you can mention the two Longstaffs, you can mention Almiron before he revived himself dramatically at Man United and did terrific, uh, but has generally struggled. There's quite a few who have 
found it tough, Manquilla couldn't get in the side, and then suddenly gets in the side of Manchester United and does terrific, but he couldn't get in the side. Uh, there's a lot of players that haven't progressed in, the, in a significant number that's gone backwards. I just want to ask you there about being a brilliant defender. Just give us a really brief insight into the likes of what the teams are like Joe Harvey or what, you know, uh, Bob Moncure's Carlisle side or Hart side were, you know, two great kind of defensive yep. players. Were, were, they, were their defensive team, were their teams defensive and did they lack goals? They know? weren't. I wouldn't say that Joe Harvey's team was uh, defensive when you can beat a team the quality Rouge Best scoring six goals over the two legs. But the one thing Joe did is defence didn't leak. He didn't let in a lot of goals. They say, don't they, that if you are a football coach, the easiest thing to coach is not to concede. The hardest thing to coach is to get goals at the other end, to be clever enough to open up defences and get goals at the other end. I mean, Benitez organised the back, which is virtually the same back as we have now, not to leak goals gets accused of being defensive because if you don't leak goals and you're not scoring six, you're going to be you're going to be a defensive coach. But I, you know, you just get a concern that if Steve Bruce can't organise a defence, having spent so many years at Manchester United, successful years and being successful himself, he can't organise a defence to keep a clean sheet. Then you know what chance have we got? We'll go back into the quotes then from Steve Bruce in his press conference on team news. He says, unfortunately, it's a bit too quick for Callum Wilson and John Joe Shelby. Everybody from the weekend has come through, though, so thankfully everyone else is okay. Yeah, well, we need as many bodies as we can, so we're pleased about that. Uh, the great cynics would say that you, you can pick the, the three central defenders at the back from six or maybe seven, Maybe only six would dumb it out. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what shuffle you do. It, it doesn't work because we've shuffled we've shuffled the back like a deck of cards uh, this season and we've still leaked goals. Um, I know that we've touched Andrew, many times on what happened or didn't happen in the transfer market. But for me, and I was shouting about it, and it's, it's, I'm not wanting credit for myself and shouting about it. I was shouting about what every Newcastle United fan was shouting about, which we could all see. In the summer, we said we need a centre-half and we need cover for Wilson. What happens? We don't sign a centre-half, even on loan, and that wasn't down to Bruce. Bruce wanted one. But we didn't sign the centre-forward. Bruce amazingly told us we didn't need one we had enough good bodies in there good gracious me so what happens we know that Callum Wilson's injury prone and yet within three four games of the start of the season he's out for a little while a few games and that is crucial and we haven't got a centre forward um, because he won't play Dwight Gale for some reason He's told us Joe Linton's not a centre-forward, and we know that, um, although he's, he may have to play there, etc., um, etc. Et so we are paying a huge cost right now against Leeds tomorrow night for not signing a centre-forward and for not signing a centre-half. We're not going to score regularly without Wilson. We're going to continue to let goals in. 
on the defensive side, he was asked about how many goals have conceded. They've conceded 12 goals. Interesting leads have conceded 11, so I'm sure yep. a few people are expecting a game full of goals on Friday, although I fear Newcastle fans are probably worried. They're probably going to be watching this through uh, through the hands. Yep. On the defence, he said, only a few teams have scored more than us. I've just done a quick count there. I think it's six have scored more than five, and there's a few teams on five. And then he says, working all week on the defensive side. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to say that we're conceding too much. We've worked tirelessly on it, and we do until we get the balance right. He keeps mentioning balance. He's mentioned balance over the last 18 months time and time again. It's kind of a buzzword. I'm wondering when we eventually get to see that balance correct. Mm. I also think, I mean, Paul Dummett, you know, everyone, well, most people thought as his career progressed, he would come into that defensive, that centre-back role. Yep. When he did do last season, um, you know, the injuries aside, he performed very, very well, I thought. He would be a huge boost, I think, into this back line because at the moment Newcastle are just struggling with Kieran Clark, Lascelles. I mean, Hayden. I mean, do you. I mean, it's ah. it's, it's a, first of all, it's a huge loss to not have Dummett back, but also uh, Hayden at centre back. John, what do you make of that? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, all the centre backs we've got, and and all of a sudden Hayden plays centre back, and Clough plays centre back before him. Um, it just shows that we can't defend and let's throw all the balls in the air and see what comes down. I mean, if we talk purely about defending as opposed to getting the ball and coming out the back and starting attacks, the best defender in the club, without a shadow of a doubt, is Paul Dummett. It actually defending and keeping your concentration. He is a huge miss to be the left of the three. Um the skipper is struggling. Um, he is, when I was talking earlier, with people that's gone backwards, he is a classic example of somebody that's done that. And quite frankly, I mean, is there a three that against Leeds that you would be happy in there and say, oh, well, that's a back door lock? For me, there isn't. You can throw the three together. And, and talking about balance... These defenders have been here virtually the whole time Bruce has been here. If we can't get the balance by now, how long does it take to get the balance right? I mean, it, it is a buzzword, uh, and that's all it is. Um, it is a huge worry. Yes, it's, it's a match between the two worst defenses in the, in the Premier League. Um, the trouble is that they've probably got more going forward than we have when we haven't got Wilson, and and that is a worry. And my one of my concerns as well, Andrew, is that uh, with not having Wilson, with the goals going in to the end, Sam Maximum is carrying an awful lot on his shoulders like the guy that's got the ability, the guy that'll do a trick, the guy that's quick. Will he get us out of jail? One of the things that always worries me about the Saint is that he has got this ability to become frustrated. He's got this ability to say, what on earth? and to be lying on the ground, throwing his hands in several different directions. And in under these circumstances, will we... C I mean, with Wilson, you know he'll keep running the channel, keep running the channel, keep going, regardless of what's happening in the match. Sam Maximum is likely to stack his hand if the tide is so relentless the other way. And if that happens at the moment with Wilson out, we're going nowhere and we're going nowhere fast. 
So one of the big decisions this weekend, John, for Steve Bruce is who he starts in net. Freddie Woodman or Carl Darlow. Lots of reports that Carl Darlow will come in. Woodman will be dropped after his performance against Manchester United. It's fault for probably the first goal, second one. Questionable whether it was totally his fault, but that's a, a, a debate to be had. I think it would be harsh to drop Woodman, but then a lot of people are saying, well, Darlow is better quality. We've also got the good news. Steve Bruce confirmed today that Hopefully, Martin Dubravka will be back training next week, which is great news, so hopefully not too long until he's in contention. But in terms of Darlow or Woodman, Steve Bruce says he'll make his decision within the next 24 hours. Well, he's going to have to because kickoff's at 8 o'clock <laughs> yes. on Friday, which I also think is a little bizarre. Surely you should have already made your decision. Maybe he's just playing the media I game there. I think he has made the decision. Yeah. Yes. Who do, well, who do you think he's picked then? That's a good question. Um First of all, on the two goals he let in, he looked horrendous on the first one, which clipped his leg and went straight across the goal. The second one, he's going to take criticism because he was nutmegged. And when a keeper's nutmegged, they immediately say, good gracious, keep your legs closed and, you, and you've saved the ball. Um, I think that it might be harsh for Woodman if he went, but it was harsh for Darlow when he went last season. Um but he, and it was even harsher the way he felt found out by the way. Uh, Woodman is had this huge reputation as a young goalkeeper who many of forecasts would end up in an England team at some time in the foreseeable future. He hasn't massively impressed uh, distribution wise or commanding his area throughout the four games he's been unfortunate in letting in so many goals because he what was in front of him but I would if you put me on the spot and I wanted Dubrovka to come back in place of Darlow last season I would play Darlow it's interesting you mentioned his distribution there he seems a little bit nervous to yeah. give it to the centre-backs and I well, wonder you be? yeah I would <laughs> but do you think that's a bit of a game plan there from Newcastle where they want to start playing it out from the back because Constantly, you're seeing at least two centre backs either side of there. him, yeah, and he's right. he's pushing them forward. He, now yeah. that takes, I think that shows a, a test of character to say, actually, look, I don't care what we've been learning and training. I'm not giving it to you in this situation. You know, he's he's standing up, but also I do question. I mean, that, it must be part of the game plan to to want to play out that way. Oh yeah, because they, they wouldn't stand. I mean, I know that virtually every team's doing it now. Uh, and that was why Joe Hart's career come to an end at Man City, because he couldn't do that. He couldn't play it out from the back with any sort of safety. The one thing you definitely know is Woodman either hasn't got faith in, in his two wide players standing there, or he hasn't got faith in himself if he's dropped in and thinks, I want this ball as far away from my goal as it's possible to be. Um because one of the worries with Newcastle is when we do get the ball in open play, we give it away so cheaply and we're back under the cosh. And if a keeper kicks long, you're just looking at a centre forward being able to hold it up and this sort of thing Andy Carroll and his pump did so well. Um, because otherwise it's going to come back straight at you. Anyway, I don't think it'll be the problem tomorrow night because I think Dollar will play. I think, although I said it would be harsh it probably would be best to put Darlow in because I do think they're going to concede a lot of goals tomorrow. His confidence is already going to be hit after what happened against Manchester United. And then if he goes against Leeds and, you know, it's a 3-0, 4-0, 4-1, whatever. Because I do think Leeds will run a bit wild um, in the end as they did last season against Newcastle. And that's just going to absolutely rip them to shreds. So, 
you know, maybe it is best for Darlow, an experienced head against what will be an attacking side. But then again, you could put the same argument around and say if Leeds put in three or four against Darlow, then that's going to be a hit to him. It's fun being a Newcastle United fan, isn't it, John? It's fun being Newcastle United goalkeeper, ain't it, mate? With, with what's in front of you, etc., etc. But uh, hey, listen, we can always look forward to the game after Leeds and uh, Watford. If ever there's a chance to win something, it surely should be against Watford. But that's for another day, and that depends how much the bubble has burst against uh, against Leeds on Friday night. But um, it is intriguing, isn't it? Because you can see them conceding. Um, but you can see us conceding more. And the big worry is, are we are we going to score three, which it might take with them scoring, because we haven't got the strikers to do that. Just before we talk about the defensive issues Leeds have got, because as I mentioned at the start, I spoke to Joe Donahue, who covers Leeds home and away, so we'll hear from him in just a moment. I just want to ask you, John, the likes of Joe White, uh, Dylan Stevenson have been promoted to the first team, two players who a lot is expected of, would you give them a chance against Leeds? Would you try and bed them in? Would you just try something different to see if Newcastle can turn this around? I think you've got to try something different because we've tried every conceivable um, formation with the senior players. What you can't do is throw too many kids in at the same time uh, because it's unfair on the kids. If, if that happens and you get beat six and kids get absolutely depressed, they, they're probably thrown on the scrap heap and not seen again for another few weeks. I mean, the, the guy Anderson has been so regularly wanting to, um, uh, knocking on the door to play in the first team, and, and or to, because he is ready. And yes, there was the injury at the start of the season that didn't help him. He is the sort of guy that you would want to bring in and say come on, let's go. There's a lot of people who would like to have thought or, w or do think we shouldn't have let Watts go, who, who did so well on loan last season at Plymouth and has now gone back out to Wigan. Um, I think that, with hindsight, was possibly a bad move. Playing a, a centre-forward kid, crikey me, it's hard enough for Wilson the way we play. It, it, it would be very, very difficult for a young boy and you don't want to kills spirit but you've got to at some stage look in your stable and say there's no thoroughbreds in there there's a few cart horses let's see what we might have with the kids but bring one kid in at a time two maximum bring too many in this the ship sinks and mentally the kids are all at sea what we'll do now is hear from joe donahue from his life joe thank you for popping on both sides have had a similar start to yeah. the season, but we were just talked on off camera about how the mood is slightly different towards Bielsa than it is to Bruce, despite the fact both clubs are winless so far in this campaign. Yeah, I think um, you could you could probably say uh, Steve Bruce has probably a little bit less credit in the bank than than Marcelo Bielsa uh, at Leeds. Obviously, um, you know the he's kind of a, a figure which I probably compare to what Rafa Benitez was like at Newcastle. Um, in terms of you know the messaging from from the manager in press conferences and stuff like that, that sort of really resonates with the fans at Leeds. Um, whereas I think you know the, the the opposite can can be said at times of of Steve Bruce, which I think uh, you know sort of as rankled with, with the supporters at, at times. So um, yeah, the the mood is definitely different. I think 
there's a there's a great deal more patience with with poor results or you know poor performances uh, at Leeds, uh, especially when it comes to the manager. Uh, I think the the players probably take on a little bit more of the flack um, than than the manager in that case. But in in his last press conference uh, after the the defeat to Liverpool, he he wholeheartedly took took the blame. Uh, I think he said about three or four times that you know it's it's my fault for you know I I, I take responsibility for not having our, our players been able to shine. So. Um, yeah, it's it, the, the mood is different. I think it's fair to say, but I think it's it's a big game for for both teams, definitely from Leeds' angle. Anyway, why have they started so badly? I mean, Newcastle have really lacked organisation. Their defence has been terrible. They can't really create now. They're without Callum Wilson, so the goals are going to be um, well, dried up, weren't flowing in the first place. But what about Leeds? Because you know they have got this brilliant attack and style, but it just hasn't hasn't clicked so far. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that not having clicked or not having gelled is probably the way to to summarise it. Because even though there haven't been, I mean, there was Daniel James signed on deadline day. There was Junior Firpo who's brought in at left back to replace Alioski. Um, but apart from that, there haven't been any other first team signings. I mean, Jack Harrison came in uh, on a permanent deal after being on loan from Man City for three years. But you know, he'd played over a hundred games for Leeds, so um, it was. It was not a case of you know a, a brand new team having to get to grips with each other. I think it's a case of you know just the games have been they've been strange because usually you've got all these you know really fast rotations out in the wide areas that that leads go through and um, you know they their passing is usually really crisp and you can usually rely on you know, one player in particular having a having a really standout game. Um, usually that that'll be one of Harrison, Bamford, Rafinha, or Phillips. Um, and at the moment, it's just been it's been difficult to get the ball sort of from the defensive third into the midfield third, and then into the final third. And that final ball has been lacking at the moment. And uh, I think some supporters have have kind of pinned that on on Rodrigo, uh, who's been playing in the middle. Um, and at, at the moment, with with the way that that Bielsa sets his team up, it's it's a four one four one most of the time. Uh, and the two sort of central midfield players are sort of number eight, so you know players similar to. Um, similar to sort of like a box-to-box player, like a Joe Willock. But they're, they're expected to be number 10s as well. So they're expected to, you know, be that attacking midfielder, to be that, that creative presence. And so far, that's kind of been the missing link. Um, and with with the, the, the team not being so, you know, with it being so reliant on um, every player sort of being at their, at their top level, it's difficult when one of those links is is a little bit weak or it's not sort of fulfilling its its duty to to the to the fullest of its capabilities and i think that's kind of led to a few of the performances maybe maybe falling down a bit conceding a bit too many chances uh, i think against liverpool we saw joe matip was able to just steam through uh, steam through the midfield and, and sort of join join liverpool's forward line and you know create create numerical advantages there so um, I mean, I don't know if Kieran Clark will be doing similar, but if if he can, you know, try and make some some inroads that, uh, up the pitch, then I think that that will be one area where Leeds might struggle to to contend with them um, with with the the extra bodies. Is a defense is the defense an issue for Leeds? I mean, they've conceded was it eleven goals. I know Newcastle have conceded twelve. I'm just wondering for the neutral whether that's going to be a good thing or whether they're just going to kind of cancel each other out and. You know, I mean, I, I think people are expecting goals, especially from Leeds. But I mean, as we say, their Leeds have their own defensive issues as well. I'd say I'd probably compare it to to the Newcastle West Ham game in in terms of what it what it will probably you know transpire to be like. I wouldn't be surprised if Leeds start fast. Um, I think their aim will be to score early, 
uh, and you know really put Newcastle under pressure and and sort of ask them the question, say you know you have to come out to us and and, and play uh, rather than sort of Newcastle putting that five at the back and then having um you know hoping that Leeds can can you know maybe catch them on uh, sorry hoping that they maybe can catch Leeds on the counter. Um, I think it, there will be goals. I think it's fair to say. I mean, Leeds don't play out very many nil nils or, or one nils. Um, and whenever they do, it's usually they lose one nil against a team who've set up to to frustrate and you know are really good at defending. So um, I think there, there definitely will be goals. I think Newcastle will have more than enough, even without Callum Wilson, to score. Whether that's you know whether they'll have enough to to, to win the game, it's a, it's a different question altogether. But I think. With the man marking system that Bielsa has and, and that Leeds sort of play with, I think it's very difficult to to shackle a player like Alan Sir Maximin because he's constantly on, on the move, isn't he? So it's difficult to, to track him. He's constantly taking players here, there, and everywhere. So I think that'll be a, a, a bone of contention for, for Leeds. Is there a feeling that it will click at some point and this, this Friday is probably the game in which Bielsa is targeting, do you think? I think that there is the hope. Uh, maybe not an, an assumption. I think there was too much of an assumption going into the Burnley game, which Leeds drew one-one and got sort of a last-minute equaliser in. Um, that that you know the I mean Leeds beat Burnley four-nil in in May at the back end of last season, and um, and that the assumption was that the same result would would, would happen. Um, I think last year Leeds came into the back of the came on to the into these Newcastle games on the back of consecutive defeats. I think it was two defeats before the game at Ellen Road, which obviously finished five two. And then it was, it was three defeats if you count the FA Cup in a row, uh, heading into the, the game in January at at uh, St James's. So um the in a sense, Newcastle last year were the tonic that Leeds needed to to get themselves out of a mini rut. Um, because there weren't I mean in the league there were not more than two games in a row which Leeds lost last year. So um, I think this time around, it, the the hope is definitely that the same can same can happen. But whether it does, I mean, it, I think the most important thing is that for Leeds and for Leeds fans is that they want to see a, a, an encouraging performance, something which would say, okay, we've turned a corner. We might not have have got the result due to you know unforeseen circumstances, but we can definitely see, you know, that the, there is there's life in the old dog yet. Will Bielsa be aware of the discontent around Newcastle? We know he likes to, you know, he doesn't just focus on the training ground. I'm just wondering, can you give some insight into what Bielsa's mindset will be like? I'm sure he'll be asked about it later in the press comments and he'll probably, you know, just give one of his short and uh, brief answers and probably play it down even if he does answer it. But do you actually think he will be aware of it and will be looking to tap into that discontent? Because it will be, you know, it will be a weapon in Leeds' favour, especially if Leeds do come out early and they score mm. a goal and suddenly the, the crowd turn because they're already pretty much over the, the edge of the cliff. They're just needing that kind of final final push and an early goal would probably do that and it would be, it'll be a, oh, it'll be a horrendous atmosphere, mm. I think, if Leeds get an early goal. Will Bielsa be aware of what's going on, do you think? I mean, with Bielsa, there's no stone left unturned. So I think he will be acutely aware of what's going on, but that's not something which he'll sort of play into his his preparation. I think when it comes to to preparing for games, he he leaves nothing to chance on the pitch. I mean, he, he's not going to sort of tactically prepare to to score early because he wants to turn the fans on on on, on the on, on the team uh, on the, on Newcastle's team. That is. Um, he he fully believes that whether there's a stadium full of people who are visceral and angry and, and bloodthirsty or not, 
that his team can can sort of block out that noise and 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 play football the way that they've they've set up in in a principled manner. So um I think he will be aware of it, but I'm not sure whether it's something which he'll pay much attention to, to be honest, because you know he's he always tries to uphold and maintain, you know, what what would be you know, what would he what would he feel if if somebody was sort of commenting on his own managerial situation like like anybody in any job you wouldn't want somebody else you know, or your 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 sort of your rival or your equal in that position to be to be saying oh well you know we're going to try and we're going to try and uh, exploit the, the the ill feeling um i think you know even if that is sort of in the back of his mind he won't he won't let on to that you know very respectful indeed i mean leeds are looking to avoid matching a winless top flight run of uh, the 1946-47 season when they finished bottom Will that play any part? Will he be aware of the stats? Or is he a man who, like you say, he just wants to win every game and the stats and the numbers don't really mean all that much. It's about getting the three points regardless. I think with with the the, the length of time that's probably passed between that that record and 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 the, you know the present day and how much has changed, he's probably not gonna pay too much attention to that. I think it's at the moment it's the uh four win four games winless in the top flight is the worst run that Leeds have been on. Uh, in sort of the top flight of English football since 1959, and that wasn't brought up that you know in press conferences or anything because I think everybody knows it would kind of be a, a bit of a wasted question. It would be a wasted endeavour. Um, there was uh, somebody who asked, you know, how would you assess the the start to this season compared to last year? And he he pretty blunt, bluntly said, you know, you can't compare a 38 game season with four matches, um, which I think was fair enough to say, you know, is. That you haven't played a, you haven't played half. I mean, the vast majority of teams. So there's there's a few fixtures coming up which Leeds will definitely look at and think, you know, this is you know th- this is where we kick on because when it comes to December, the fixture list gets really nasty. Um, so the, the the team will know that they need to pick up points and they need to pick up points as early as possible. Um, and you know, given the situation that Newcastle are in, um, it it is it is a it, it's an opportunity that they'll look be looking at and thinking. You know, we we want to get something from this, and we, you know, we want to lay down a marker and say we're not going to be in in a relegation dogfight. We're going to be back up in mid table and consolidating our position. How is he handling the fact that he hasn't won any games this season? I guess that goes back to the question right at the start. If he was under pressure from the fans, he'd mm. probably be reacting slightly different. Steve Bruce at the moment, you know, we all saw the outburst in the press conference after the My United game. We'll find out. We're recording this half an hour before Steve Bruce's actual press conference. So we'll we'll wait to see what he has to say later on, and uh, that'll be over on ChronicleLive.co.uk. But he's not handling it too well. But I guess that's because he has got the fans. The pressure is it's you know it's just ramping up. It's already pretty high. The lose to Leeds on Friday night, it'll go through the roof, and he'll be well aware of that. How is Bielsa doing? Uh, to be fair with Bielsa, I think he'd probably prepare for any game, regardless of how under pressure he is. Um, exactly the same, you know. It's he, he'd assess the opponent. He'd, he'd put out the team that he thinks is going to have the best chance of winning the game. Um, you know, he's not. I, I was saying this yesterday in a piece that you know the the big question from the fan base is whether he'll continue to persist with Rodrigo, even though he doesn't seem to have gelled in in that position that he's been asked to play. And Bielsa's not the type of player to feel burdened or feel the weight of a, a club record transfer and to feel as though, oh, well, I need to keep playing him because. You know, they, he 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 views football in a way which is is quite different to to most other managers, and you see that in in press conferences, the way that he sort of articulates and explains himself is very, 
it's very precise, um, which is part of the reason why he still uses a translator because he wants to he wants to convey his ideas to to journalists, to players, to to everybody in the clearest terms uh, because he's a he's a football philosopher more than anything. Um, so I think if there was immense pressure and you know Leeds were bottom and lost all four games handsomely, um, then yeah, understandably, I think any human being would probably understand and comprehend that you know you you've got to, you've got to get a win at some point um but for now for the most part i think most people are still the, the jury's still out on this season so the pressure's not too intense uh, and as a result i don't think bielsa would would be feeling that that pressure too too intensely either let's talk about team news then i mean the one man who's definitely missing is pascal strike i hope i pronounced that right after his red card against liverpool they appealed it it was upheld after i only saw it for the first time yesterday and um I kind of agree. I don't think it is a red card. I know the mm-hmm. injury that came across is horrendous, but it, it it just looked like it coming together rather than anything. It wasn't. It didn't look like he intended to do that. It didn't look malicious to me. Um. Well, I mean, how big of a loss is he going to be? And did you think it was a red card? Um. I mean, first and foremost, when when it happened in front of us, we, we I mean, we all said, you know, that's a great tackle because Harvey Elliott looked to be away and and struck. Even the uh, even Martin Tyler did as well. Martin Tyler yeah. said, you know, great tackle. Yeah, and and to be fair, Craig Pawson just waves play on until it becomes apparent that you know, I mean, Mo Salah immediately hands to his head. He's beckoning for medical attention, uh, and then you obviously see the the look on Harvey Elliott's face, and it's horrible. Um, I do think that. It's one of those where the severity of the injury has been taken into consideration. It's got it's 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 an after the fact sort of red card, um, and I I mean I I suspected they'd probably make an appeal given the nature of how it how sort of divisive the decision was, but given the fact that I mean even before the game had finished the Premier League had issued a statement saying that the red card decision was taken because of the the endangerment uh, and reckless nature of the tackle. Um, so I thought, you know, if there's any appeal, they've already set out their stall there. They've already said this is, you know, th- this is our stance on it. We're backing the referee here. Um, so, I, I mean, he will be a miss. Some some fans think that he's one of the better centre halves at the club. Um, I think centre half is the, the the best stocked position that Leeds have got um, at the moment. As luck would have it, Diego Diego Llorente went off uh, in that game against Liverpool and then was replaced by Stroke. Um, so he's got a hamstring injury, we think, um, but he said it's not too severe. But based on his injury history from last season, obviously went off after 10 minutes or so against Newcastle. Um, he for, for, for injuries which are typically quite minor, um, he might be out of action for, for an extended period. Um, Robin Cock is another one who uh, has, he, he picked up a minor injury or we thought it was minor um, after the Old Trafford game at the beginning of the season. So he's been out for around a month now. Um, whether he'll be back, we don't know yet. Uh, we'll find out later today from from Bielsa on, on that injury front. But um, the, Liam Cooper's the, the club captain. He's pretty much a mainstay in there. Uh, and then Luke Ayling will probably shuffle across from right back. And while, I mean, it might be a different story if it was someone like Emil Kraft shuffling across, but Luke Ayling has played that position quite frequently. Um, he's quite he's quite adept in that role. Um I wouldn't say that it's ideal, but it's not the it's not the end of the world if 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 Ailing does have to shuffle across if Stroke Cooper uh, Stroke Cock and Urente are out. So um, it, there will be opportunities to exploit them because they're both the the players who were you know leads in, in Leeds back four in the championship. But um, I think Cooper and Ailing should have enough enough about them. 
Uh, it's probably not the end of the world given Newcastle's failure to really score any goals and given the you know the fact that Callum Wilson is likely to be missing this game. Newcastle, you know, Joe Linton is not going to give the Leeds United defenders a tough time, in my opinion. You know, hopefully I'm proved wrong from Newcastle point of view on, on Friday, but I, I can't see if, if Sleepus does go with Joe Linton, him really giving Leeds anything to, to worry about. I would prefer to see the formation change and Dwight Gale slotted in and it, the, the team built around Dwight Gale to give them a bit more of a um, attacking intent, but I, I can't see that happening. But it'll be interesting to see the team from both sides. Just um, some quick-fire questions before we finish from questions from our viewers here. Mm-hmm. Who is the key man that Newcastle United need to stop? Uh, I'd probably say Calvin Phillips. I'd be tempted to say Rafinha because he's he's the game-changer. Uh, but if you if you can can nullify Calvin Phillips, then the the team cannot get out of defence and transition to attack. Um, you know, if you if you put a man on him uh, and kind of, which is difficult because he's very good at doing that. He's very good at sort of man marking people out of the game. But um, his distribution is is something which will cause Newcastle problems. You know, Jack Harrison on the left and Rafinha on the right. Um, he they they both will stretch the pitch and and Phillips can find them both um, and. You know, if 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 one of them is taking sort of a defender out of the game, uh, then he can find Patrick Bamford with a with a ball over the top or a through ball. So I think Phillips is probably the key man. What's the biggest weakness that Newcastle can exploit? Um, biggest weakness, uh, probably the the midfield um, in front of Calvin Phillips. It's it's been the the issue of contention so far this season. If Rodrigo's in there, there's there's the the perception that he doesn't really know when to press or or when to you know or where to position himself. Um, so you know there the, there've been times where he's maybe been a bit too advanced, and there's just been a, a huge huge gap between the defense and the and the attack. So if if somebody can you know make make inroads in that position, I think that's where Newcastle can can potentially hurt Leeds. And who are you most fearing from a Newcastle United point of view? Uh, it has to be St Maximin. I think the, just the the ability that he has to to you know he's a one man counter attack, isn't he? The, to to just carry the, the the team up the pitch 20, 30 yards at a time. Um, I mean, we saw what he did to Declan Rice on that that side with the the step overs one way, then the, then the next. I think that. You know, he's he, there's not too many defenders who'd be able to, to shackle him on their own um, this uh, in, in this in this league. Well, we've got a question here from Roger Cook, who's a regular viewer of the Everything Is Back, my podcast. And he asks you, Joe, do you think Alan St. Maxman will get uh, double man marked out of the game? Or at least uh, that's he, the attempt? Uh, I don't think you'll get double man marked because the, the lead system is man for man. So it's every every player has has their their man that they need to to mark or at least need to shadow. Um, so doubling up on some maximum would leave another player uh, free, and that's not something that that Bielsa is going to going to allow. I think um, so. Maybe in sort of when he when he stops and starts doing the the tricks and the step overs, overs and stuff, but not in sort of uh, open play, not in transition, not, nothing like that. You can see we've got a few people there saying Alan St. Maximum needs to. Do a bit more of end product. I kind of agree with that. I think sometimes decision-making lacks that kind of experience of a player who's a wee bit older. We've got uh, Alan here saying, Newcastle are so predictable. I don't think Leeds have too much to worry about and the lack of attacking options won't give Leeds sleepless nights. We've sort of said that, but yeah, again. Um, yeah, and I guess, what do you think the score is going to be then? Will Leeds come out on top here? 
Um, I, I mean, Lee Lee Ryder was was speaking to us on on the the Blue, White, and Yellow podcast uh, yesterday, and he uh, he and I both went with uh, the same prediction, which was I think it'll be a three-one Leeds. I think both teams will score. I think there'll be periods of the game where Newcastle are on top, um, just purely because Leeds. You know, it's, I think it's difficult for any team to dominate possession at the intensity that Leeds play um, for ninety minutes. But I think there'll be periods in the game where it's quite even. Um, but I do think that it's probably going to be a, a, a 3-1 to, to Leeds because once, I mean, we saw it at Ellen Road last year, you know, once Leeds get, you know, that whiff of or sniff of blood, then they'll, they'll not stop attacking. You know, it's not a case of getting to the 70th minute and then thinking, all right, we've, we've got a lead, let's hold on to it. It's, you know, let's, let's, let's improve the goal difference here. Let's stay to the, play into the principles and that's, that's to, to play forward at every opportunity. Yeah, I'm sure Sky are hoping that they've got an absolutely brilliant mm. game on Friday night. Of course, it'll be in our live blogs on both at the Leeds Live website and chroniclelive.co.uk. We'll have a, another match preview with John Gibson to talk a bit about a bit more about Newcastle United later in the day. So please do tune in for that one. Joe, thanks for popping on today. Everything is Black and White Podcast. Safe trip up to Tyneside. And hopefully from a Newcastle United point of view, it's a dreadful Friday night for you guys. <laughs> Cheers. So there we have it, Joe Donahue from Leeds Live. He talked about the defensive issues Leeds have got, but also the attack and talent that could harm Newcastle and how he thought, John, it'll end up like the first game at St James's Park, which was Newcastle versus West Ham. Plenty of goals. He does think Leeds will concede, but he thinks Leeds will come out on top. I tell you what, he also mentioned that he thinks Leeds will go early. It's going to be a horrendous uh, atmosphere of Leeds getting early goal, isn't it? Oh, without a shadow of doubt. I mean... Uh... That is the big worry for Newcastle, and it's an even bigger worry for Steve Bruce. And it could become very toxic, and if it does become toxic, then it's difficult for Newcastle to get back in the game. Um, so, yes, and that they will come at us right from the start. The press very, very high. Uh, they, they, were, they were poor man's entertainers. When I say a poor man, they haven't... The rise and rise of the entertainers under Keegan was nosebleed. It, it went from the one foot in the third division to second top of the Premier League in a blink of an eye. Their rise hasn't been as quick as that, but it has been relentless. Last season was terrific. The manager, Bielsa, is a bit like Keegan. You know, if we let in three, we'll attempt to score four and we'll believe we can score four. So it's the same sort of philosophy, if you like. Um, and yes, they've had a, a very bad start this season. They can't defend set pieces. You've got a, a real chance there. But it, it must be said that, you know, we have played Manchester United and got well cuffed. They've not only played Manchester United, but played Liverpool as well. So two of their four games have been the big hitters. So the position could be false, their position. It's interesting you mentioned Bielsa, and we spoke about it with Joe there in his little chat with me, that the mood's totally different yep. regarding Bielsa than it is Boost, despite the similarities in the start. And I guess, John, that's down to progress because Leeds United fans have seen progress under Bielsa. And Absolutely. I mean, I'm still sitting here, I don't know about you, scratching my head thinking, what is Newcastle United's identity? I can see little bits of it, but I can't see full-on progress like Leeds United fans have seen. And I guess that's the key. That's why there's no discontent rising at the moment, because they have confidence in their manager that it will 
turn around. Yeah, I, th- I, I think the, the fans, the, the sea. When you think how long they were in the doldrums, going down to the old third division, the third tier, if you like, and, and the length of time they spent in the championship, a huge, huge club with a, with a passionate following. They were so grateful to come up. They had such a terrific season last season. They've got a coach who all the other managers in the league look up to, Everybody from Pep Guardiola to the guy at Paris Saint-Germain, they all talk with reverence about the guy that sits on the bucket. And um, the fans are going to stay with that. He's their type of... If, if Keegan, he is the following that um, Benitez had here. Played a different style, hugely. He's much more front foot than, than, uh, than Rafa was. But... The fans believed in him, and if a couple of results is not going to change that. Certainly the atmosphere within their dressing room before the game and within our dressing room before the game, it'll be hugely different. The atmosphere on the terraces, the fear that it will be in Newcastle fans and the optimism that will be in the Leeds fans in their end will be in huge contrast. I feel like I ask this question every single <laughs> preview episode. Can you guess what it's going to be? Well, I can guess the theme it's on. Go on. How crucial is this game for Steve Bruce and Newcastle yeah, United? Yeah, yeah. well, uh, for a start, until Newcastle United and Steve Bruce gets a win, every game is absolutely massive to us. But we may as well ask that 38 times a season because uh, every single game, this will go all the way, this relegation fight. We're going to be in that. We're not going to be mid-table by November and stay mid-table for the rest of the season. It isn't going to be one. The the lack of action in the transfer market has made certain of that, that it's going to be a relegation fight and it's going to be the six-pointer every time Newcastle play. And... um, it's sad. It's the life we live in at the moment, and uh, there's no way around it. It's just ironic that when we get a, a handful of, of decent players, the centre forward we get is a crock. <laughs> I mean, how how ridiculous can it get? You know, I mean, bless him. And I mean, I am a huge fan of, of Wilson. Uh, but I mean, it can end up as injury prone as, as Andy Carroll if we if we're not careful. And however good he is, if he misses a huge chunk of his season, he's no good to us during that time because he ain't present. He is a super super player, um, but we we know that we've got to accept that he's. A, and doesn't that make not having a backup striker more outrageous? Uh, and and it's I mean not only was I talking but it was everywhere every Newcastle fan was shouting the same thing now if they can see it how Ashley can see and Steve Bruce in this case because Steve Bruce told us we don't need one because he's got Almiran and he's got San Maximum and he's got Joe Linton well how many goals are they going to score for us like you know and, and they're not centre forwards they're not centre forwards yeah, we're about to see if Mike Ashley's gamble is indeed going to backfire. As usual, John, we'll wrap up then with the results prediction. I got it right this week. I usually ask for a score prediction, then you correct it. 
results prediction. Yes, that is correct. Uh, well, dear me, um, it, it is so hard. And the longer it goes on, you just don't want to keep saying Newcastle will lose. We um, both got it right last week against Manchester United. Yeah, but that was quite an easy one, to be <laughs> truthful. I think we're, we both had a vague idea, especially Ronaldo's debut. I mean, he, he had two two kicks and two goals before uh, we got going to a certain extent. Uh, oh, I mean, I can easily see we lose, and I would like to say we can draw. Um, I don't see us winning without Wilson. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm going to go for a defeat, and I think it'll be by quite a heavy number. But hopefully, I'm wrong. You can head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to catch all the build-up, all the words from Steve Bruce's press conference, and of course, the match live through our live blog tomorrow, 8 p.m. kickoff over on chroniclelive.co.uk. And please remember to like and subscribe.